0: What's up, everybody? This is AJ, and this is the Unnecessary Podcast. We'll go ahead and turn down this sweet music. This is Sin Kane. The song is How We Be. Haven't heard this one in a, a while, so wanted to listen to it once more. And um, it's 2018. We're going to kick things off by calling Jared as we shut that music abruptly in our high-definition studio. Jared, coming to us from Pennsylvania, also the home of Lee, the usual counterpart here on the Unnecessary podcast. Jared, coming to us from northeast Pennsylvania. How's it going? Hey there, Jared. You're on the pod. Oh. Yeah, how's it going up there in uh, Northeast Pennsylvania? Northwest, rather.
1: Um, Northwest, yeah. We are we are having a thaw, uh, man. It's like a, a temporary relief from all the snow that we've been having. You heard that Erie got slammed with like five feet. Yeah. So we're just uh, everything's melting. Everyone's
0: roofs are collapsing. Oh, really? It's crazy. Yeah. It's-
1: <laughs> all the way to the spoken combined with the water.
0: Yeah, no shit. But, uh,
1: yeah. Pretty crazy. Otherwise, though, it's nice. It's good to be up here.
0: So that all went down like Christmas Eve or Christmas Day 2017? What was the, the timeline?
1: Yeah, so I was actually out of town, but um, heard from people that were still up here. But, yeah, it was right over Christmas day before, day out, and day after. I think
0: in a three-day span,
1: we got 70 inches total. Stupid. Yeah, pretty crazy. How's how's Denver, Colorado, bro?
0: Well, it's funny. You know, I talk... Everyone that I talk to at work, because I talk to people mostly on the East Coast and mostly in the Northeast, they ask me what the weather's like in Denver. I think partly because they want to commiserate and they think that it'll be pretty bad news from Denver. But... Today it was 68 degrees, and it's sunny pretty much every day, so I was on the bike just a little while ago after work, and um, you never know at Denver. Sometimes it's 7 degrees, and sometimes you get two feet of snow, but then you just got to wait for that sunny 60 degree day, which usually comes around pretty often, so I'm pretty fucking spoiled, long story short.
1: Yeah, well, that's that sounds pretty, pretty nice. I bet if you get out in the
0: mountains too, there's plenty of snow to ski and snowboard. Yeah, it's, I, I was telling Eva, like my friends who go snowboarding, uh, have been complaining this year that they haven't gotten really a, a, snow blast yet. That's been nice. And they haven't had consistent powder. Um, they pretty much said it's been nothing. And, and a lot of, a lot of mountains, half the runs are, are off offline, um, and Eva, oh. Eva responded that don't they complain every year? And I'm like, well, I've only been I've only been here two years, but you're probably right. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the the snowboarders and the skiers who are <clears throat> super passionate about the mountain like it's really only once every six or seven years that you get that perfect year where you get consistent powder, um, where you get good storms, and maybe it didn't used to be this ca- the case, and maybe global warming has something to do with it. Maybe it's cyclical, but um, yeah, they're complaining this year that they are not getting much.
1: Yep, it's always it's always in search of the fresh powder.
0: Yeah, well. Um, so when you got blasted with all this snow, like, did you have to go to work? Like, how did you even get out of your house? What was that like?
1: Yeah, so pretty much everything in the city of Erie shut down. Um, Erie Insurance is big insurance in the region, and their offices shut down. My girlfriend who works from home for Erie insurance, she still had to work on the phone because she works from home. But everything, she couldn't really do much at the office, you know, she couldn't relay with the office any information because it was all shut down. It took, it took weeks for the snow to get cleared out of the, the roads and they just were able to get it down back to the cement. Um, it's been, it's been pretty crazy. Like I said, people's roofs are collapsing. There's, there was a, uh, <clears throat> it's a sports park in Erie, and they have this huge golf dome that's inflated by air. And I don't know what, if they forgot to put grease or something on the top of it, but the thing collapsed. Huh. Luckily no. Jeez. Yeah, there's been a lot of, a lot of damage. A lot of, a lot of snow. Yeah, the-, the removal now, you know, but. <laughs> Where do you put all that snow?
0: Dude. Uh, In New York City, people would legit fucking put fresh snow into garbage bags and have the garbage men take it away in the most disgusting display of, like, unfriendly environmental practices. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely horrible. Oh, my God. Like, we are just (laughs) taking good, (laughs) perfectly drinkable water, pure water. And just <laughs> putting it into plastic bags and yeah, sending it to a landfill. Uh, <laughs> that is really the worst thing. So, um, but yeah, totally, man. I, that, that, so the roof collapsing on the dome particularly reminds me of there was a video of the Minnesota Vikings dome like seven or eight years ago, maybe. And that shit collapsed. Do you remember seeing that? Where was this? This was the football stadium where the Minnesota Vikings play. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) And like that was like it was like a Wednesday or Thursday, and they were supposed to play that Sunday, and everyone was like, "Oh, like good thing that didn't happen three days later."
1: It's cool. They caught that on video too, if I remember correctly. Like cameras inside of the stadium.
0: Yeah, it looks. It looks CGI. (laughs) <laughs> like you can't yeah, believe I'm seeing it and dude people would have died like the pe- like people on the field would have died and then like a fuckload of if you wa- if you watch how the building collapses like it's just like psh, it just opens up and you're fucked dude it's an <laughs> avalanche
1: yeah man snow is super heavy it, like I said it causes damage up here it causes damage everywhere oh. and then I think another big <clears> is, is people's homes aren't well insulated and uh, huge, huge icicles form. I just read in, in our local paper today that some guy was trying to knock um, this icicle off of this roof, and they said the dimensions were 10 feet tall by <laughs> 6 foot tall. With the, device. The, guy, the guy hits it with the shovel, and he like goes up to hit it with the shovel and falls backwards. The thing breaks from the roof, and he gets, and under this chunk
0: of ice like this pile of debris oh, no. <laughs> I hate to
1: laugh but oh my he god got, uh, but yeah I mean
0: wow wait did he die
1: no he, he's okay he was in the hospital with minor injuries but uh, yeah he got, he got really lucky
0: okay good so I can laugh about it Jesus
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: that's that's yeah, that's, crazy. that's amazing um yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's weird, like, that's a weird safety thing that you wouldn't think of, like, make sure your icicles don't get to, like, death spear length.
1: (laughs) Yeah. We have the problem at our house because we have a wood stove in our garage where we have our wood shop, and our insulation is pretty bad in here, so it just leaks out, and we've got, I mean, every day we go out, clear off three or four foot icicles.
0: I saw the Snapchat of you clearing off some icicles <clears throat> and um, I have a couple more points about that and then I want to ask you about your wood shop. But um, I love Snapchat for keeping up with um, with friends and family first like I've just fallen into it. I'm sure like Instagram has its merits, but I am not on Instagram and I barely go on Facebook, but I really love Snapchat, just like seeing what the fuck you're up to. And, um, like when I saw my cousins at a recent wedding a couple months ago, it was like, I knew exactly what two of them had been up to, um, for the previous two years. Uh, whereas like the other, their two sisters, I was less familiar with what they had been up to simply because they weren't on Snapchat. So anyway, much appreciated.
1: Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, not intrusive as much as like Skyping or sending videos on a text or something, you know? It's a, it's a nice. You're right.
0: It is a nice way to keep up with people. Yeah, it's funny how a technology comes along, and I'm I'm pretty conventional um, with how I respond. Like I'm an early adopter usually, but usually I I don't see the merits of a lot of stuff. Like most people, like I'm like ah, that seems like a useless accessory. Like I can I, I see the merits, but on the other side, I I see how it's completely um, not vital. But then after a while, you start adopting a certain technology, and if you keep with it, you notice, like, oh, this is... It's not... I'm not any happier, probably, but this... I am a fucking human who likes more shit, so fucking bring it on kind of thing.
1: (laughs) Bring it on, baby. Yeah.
0: Right. When I was in fourth grade, we had to research natural disasters which is bizarre for fourth graders like they just wanted to instill like this weird fear I guess (laughs) so I had to research (laughs) yeah like part of the year we researched national parks the other part of the year we researched natural disasters so I picked or I got I was chosen to have avalanche or avalanches and yeah pretty interesting got to develop, like, a nice healthy fear of, of avalanches, but as someone who's not a backcountry skier, it's not really, like, a concern of mine. Um, yeah. But I did learn that if you're ever caught in an avalanche and you are covered in snow, that the, what you do is you, you make a little area, you dig a little air space in front of your mouth, and you, like, drool out your mouth, and whichever way the drool goes... Uh, is where gravity goes and you go the opposite way because your orientation will be uh, all fucked up and people will be digging and dig down and dig sideways and not know where to go. That's
1: a, that's a great uh, great thing to know if you're out on the mountains.
0: There you go. Little AJ's tip of the week. Womp, 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 womp. <laughs> um, will throw you a little guitar <laughs> I do, yeah, Totally. Do, 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 do. Get fish doo. <laughs> yeah, I told Lee um that that we could make he could make some interlude music and stuff. That's before I figured I'll just go really lo-fi and just cr- and just fucking get him out there. Yeah.
1: There you go.
0: But yeah, I mean Lee, Lee and I have done about 12 of these these little ditties. So, in the future, yeah, we'll add more sound effects and fun goofy shit. So um you said you have you have your wood shop in your garage. Do you have indoor access to your wood shop? And then really the 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 larger question I wanted to have you on for was like when did you start woodworking? When did you start having a shop and did you start somewhere else and then you've started building shit and your own place? I mean, to, can you tell me the evolution of it?
1: Yeah, um
0: and oh so before I mean, sorry to interrupt you sorry to interrupt you as a background sorry? as a background obviously Jared makes all kinds of awesome woodworking from spoons and forks and sporks up to fishing nets and ca- it seems like cabinets and and you can make all kinds of stuff so that's my little two cents but I would love for you to get more into it uh,
1: Thanks <laughs> Um yeah so our shop is connected to um the house that we live in there's a little breezeway that we can just walk walk right to our, it's a single car garage, but it's a deep car, you know it's a deep garage, so it's got a little more space than just a single little car garage. Um, but yeah, so the woodworking kind of started when I was in high school. in um, in between, in between uh, semesters during the summer, I would get on um, I, got, I started out as just like a laborman kind of guy carried wood around at a construction site, new home builds, and, and stuff like that.
0: So, like residential
1: renovations. Yeah, all residential. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, from framing to cutting nail holes and and uh, molding and casing and stuff like that. So, so with these, kind of sparked... Would these
0: that. Would these guys do that stuff like on site at a job site? That's pretty cool. Oh yeah,
1: I mean, I got to watch a house from ground all the way to completion, um, you know, from all the footers and headers and all the, all the stuff related with going to home from cement to concrete, wow. uh, cement to wood. I mean, but yeah, so that kind of sparked it. And then I actually worked up from there. I got on a framing crew, so I was framing houses for two summers in between, like, you know, summer breaks uh, during college. So that was kind of the next step, and. Then, Started building shit and I just worked from there. I started acquiring some tools. Um, I lived by myself. I was home from college for a uh, half. I had a, a garage down below my apartment where I had some just some simple tools. And then I moved in to the place I am currently about, oh, maybe three years ago now and took over the garage. And ever since, it's just been a collection of tools and machines and just expanding the craft and kind of learning every day, really.
0: Was your family, did you have people in your family that did this professionally or did this as um, a hobby? And when you started um, at the job site doing this, was this you seeking it out or did they, did they, was it a need that the company had or how did that develop?
1: Yes, yeah, so I mean my grandpa—he built his own house, um, and and I, I knew that growing up, and it, it always kind of surprised me, and you know, it just it, it I was amazed by it. And so, I guess, yeah, going back further, that would be the probably my initial inspiration. And he would always show me how to use tools, in his shop, in his garage, and nice. kind of spawned from there. Um, in terms of my like summer job, though. And, and getting on those training crews at the point at that time, I was just looking for summer work and being outside was attractive. I didn't want to work at a convenience store or something like that. So working work with my hands and felt it just felt right, you know, and that's how, that's how it, uh, that's how it went.
0: What was the first thing you made at your wood shop? Um, or what was the first project you worked on? You know, not necessarily the first thing that you cut, but what was the first kind of project that you, you worked on or first series of projects, if you will?
1: So I think, like, first solo projects, um, <clears throat> me, and, me and my friend Drew, he and I basically renovated this old farmhouse. It was built in the late 1800s. And... Our friend's dad owned it, owns it still, and he hired us to gut it and put in all new drywall, and then we actually installed a new bathroom. So that was that was a big step in, in going out on it on my own and going out on our own as a as a team as well. But um, so I think that kind of that kind of sparked in us acquiring more tools and um, just thinking of more projects that we could do next project that I I know that I worked on was a, a liquor cabinet film and that was for um, this guy who has a gorgeous house he's got indoor pool um, he's got hot tubs and all, all sorts of cool stuff but he uh, he hired a trigger myself to, to build a liquor cabinet it's nice to install. they use it every day now and, and again from there it just kind of kind of kept progressing with acquiring more tools and I think of different projects to work on. I remember. Um, I think a big, I think a big changing point too for going from working on projects that you get hired for and, and kind of starting to work on projects that I want to work on was when we moved into this new wood shop. That's when we started out of necessity building fishing nets, and uh, kind of just it just took off from there.
0: I remember seeing the liquor cabinet build on Snapchat via Snapchat, and then I, I obviously, all the uh, the fishing nets. I've I've seen the evolution of that through Snapchat. So very cool. And now you have videos yeah. that you're uh, that you're making and putting on YouTube. Tell me about how the videos come about and how you make those. Yeah, so
1: the videos are. Uh pretty challenging aspect of the woodworking it kind of slows things down you gotta but it in a in a, in a good sense it also helps me slow down and focus a little more on what I'm doing and technique and getting things right um whereas before you know you just kind of you get your project done you still try to do your best but now you're more meticulous with your work and in in that regard video editing is kind of challenging in itself it's, if you don't have the right tools to, to edit video. Um, you know, that, that that part for me is is just the new venture because I haven't I haven't really edited video ever before. And, you know, getting on the computer and pulling in little clips from all over and it, it's it's challenging, takes time, but, you know, I think it's worth the effort and kind of just a goal between myself and Drew is to, to just get a good amount of content out on YouTube and out on our social media sites to kind of just get a following. Um, so yeah, the, vi- the video process though is, is challenging. We'll just kind of pick a pick a project that we think would be valuable to to document really for other people to see and for ourselves, and then go from there. We have just do like a storyboard kind of thing and get a bunch of ideas and different shots. Um, and then just try to collaborate at all. Very
0: cool. It sounds like a lot of different kinds of challenges. Video editing, I think is so different than the woodwork itself and putting it on on social media and and getting a following is another thing entirely. So that's that's cool. It's a lot of um a lot of cool challenges. So what do you think? What do you think the market or who, what's the addressable audience? Is it hobbyists that would mostly benefit from these videos, or is it professionals, or is it both? Um, you know, I don't really think
1: professionals would would benefit from this. I think more more, I think people who are hobby woodworkers would, would benefit from this. They at least get to see how how certain processes work. Um, for example. You get a rough piece of lumber. How do you get it flat on all four sides? You know, perfectly per- parallel to each other and ninety degrees on each edge. So there's there's certain just basic challenges to woodworking that I think people would find beneficial being a hobby woodworker. Um, I mean, that's I learned so much myself from YouTube, watching people. And I mean, I think I think just having a variety of different videos out there. You know, people can search a lot of different ways to do a certain thing on YouTube, and depending on what kind of tools they have, it might be easier to do it one way than another.
0: Nice, yeah. Where do you source your wood? A um, couple different, couple different ways. Um, recently, I got a
1: a large chainsaw and a chainsaw mill, so <laughs> nice. I can take. Pay- I could take a log and mill it into slabs. So that's been my newest venture is my buddy has, he works on this property that has like 150 acres of woods and trees are always falling down just natural, natural death or they get crowded out by other trees. So we'll go in there and pull them out with a tractor and the milling, I milled all last summer. So hopefully some wood that I milled last summer will be ready for, Eh, maybe by next year. <laughs> it takes quite a while. But between, between Mill and ourselves, and um, there's another guy who owns a tree service company locally that we go to a lot. And he's got a good selection of wood that he's cut down either by the, the client or himself or however he acquires all the wood. He's got a little mill himself. So between those two, um, I try not to. Uh, we try not to get any wood that's, like, harvested in a way that's not sustainable. Um, like I said before, we don't go into forests and cut trees down. Right. Um, we're only getting trees already been down for a while or, or otherwise.
0: Nice. <clears throat> um, have you noticed any of your other hobbies taking up less of your time since this one's become a pretty cool passion? <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, snowboarding. I haven't been snowboarding in two years. Yeah. I, haven't, I Haven't been golfing in two years. I used to golf. But uh, yeah, no, I I don't think
0: I would change it though. I love it. Love it every day. Totally, man. I've I've been thinking about that. Like, I used to. I used to love sports. I mean, I still love sports, but I used to watch a lot more football, and. I remember when I moved to Colorado a couple of years ago, I was thinking, like, all right, like, son, like how am I going to figure out, like, Sundays are going to be awesome because kickoff's two hours earlier. And um, I would start making plans for the weekend, and I'd figure out, like, how I can be free on a Sunday. And that just gradually changed over time. You know, you'd miss a couple, and before you know it, like, two years have gone by. And, like, on Sundays, like, football's the farthest thing from my mind. Like, I got... I have too many other fun things to do. Yeah,
1: absolutely. That's that's how it goes. And
0: also I was thinking about how I used to think that in some way, my hobbies were part of my identity and like my hobbies were who I was. And, um, like who I was, was the things I do, the things I have, like the job I have. Um, and, and so I felt like attached to it. And I felt like if I changed my hobbies or if I didn't do those things or if I didn't have those things and I wouldn't be the same person. And, um, I've heard people who like were alcoholics and people who've gone through 12 step programs who talk like this about how they think that they're going to be a different person, either like less funny or less interesting or whatever. Um, or, or just like, you'll miss a part of yourself, like specifically with the hobbies. If you're, if you're just evolving and growing as a person, but like, that's not who you are. I think that who you are is, is just your energy and, and you know, the, the effects you have on others and, and the love and, and emotional energy and, and the, the productivity you can bring to the world, um, you know, positivity and, in, in however, you know, aspect or dimension it is. And so that can be transferred no matter what hobby you're doing. You know, like you don't have to be identified with a certain thing or having a certain thing to uh, to enjoy yourself. So it's important, I think, to just like go at the flow. And like if you find yourself liking a certain thing more and more, um, you know, if it's if you know it's a healthy thing for you, then keep doing it.
1: Yeah, I think I think a lot of people could be able to relate to that. Um, everyone has everyone has to work for a living or or some other. Have to figure out some other way to get, you know, to make a living, to to be able to live, really. Um, And a lot of people just see it; they hate their job or whatever, you know. But Mm. if you if you look at it differently, um, you like you said, it's not defining in terms of, oh yeah, I'm a I'm an accountant. I go to work every day, and I hate my job. But you know, people don't identify me as an accountant or any finance guy. I'm just, just me. Yeah. So I think more people need to, to just like said, go with it, man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I think like I, as I'm getting older, I'm realizing like people like you and I are, are incredibly privileged. Like I've always known I've had a privileged upbringing, but just the fact that I'm able to, um, have a job that, that per- allows me to have a roof over my head and food on the table. Um, and I'm not working in a sweatshop, you know, 80 hours a week, Um, I, I'm realizing like, you know, and, and, and I think a lot of people like us get, have depression and like, I think that there's a part, a big part of what's wrong with the world. Like, um, people like us have, have like a malaise about us or, or there are people in our situation who, are in their 20s or 30s or 40s and um live in the United States and have a job and are part of this kind of larger machine and and we're living perfectly fine lives but we feel like we're missing out on something like you said I hate my job or like like my job is cool but it's not i my perfect situation and so i used to get depressed or i used to think like man i'm not really doing what i want or society's not the way i want and then i would think like well if if I'm not doing what I want, then fucking why don't I just do what I want? I have plenty of time outside of work to do what the fuck I want. And so, yes, I would yeah. love for my job to be to save the world and to help them to do something great like that. And, and I should have had more foresight in college to, to get a different educational path so I could, you know, be, have a different impact in the world than, than selling software, which I do now, which is fun, but not, I don't think what I should be doing. Um, so, but I have all this free time and it's like, well, if I think I should be doing something else and think about what I should be doing and then do it in my free time. And that's how I started cultivating purpose, my, you know, website and community thing that I'm kind of in beta testing mode, but Um, I think it's similar to like your woodworking thing. It's like, if, if that's what, like identify what you want to do and do it. And a lot of people don't, aren't able to identify the right thing. I think because people's sleep patterns are off and they're not eating the right thing. And, um, there, there's a lot of environmental factors and also developmental factors, but you know, you got to meditate on it and think about it and cleanse your body and then find out what you really want to do. And if you have any spare hours in the week, like go ahead and do it, you know?
1: Absolutely right, man. You got, I think you have to have a hobby as a person in general, aside from, even if you do pursue your your most favorable job, you know, title, and I mean, you love absolutely what you do, you're fully immersed in it, you still need a break from that, I mean. Yeah. And so with that, everybody needs some kind of hobby to, to relax and wind down from their daily grind or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: totally um yeah my my friend mike who's in the band savoy um he's doing exactly what he wants um making music which he which he de- was determined to do at it from a young age to do that professionally and he's very successful and uh, makes a good living and tours around the country and plays music um but it's not Sometimes he wants to play different kinds of music, and he's he's restricted to the market and to his audience. Um, but but even if he's playing exactly what he wants, um, you know, he might have a day where he has a different whim. Um, but after a while, it's it's work nonetheless. Even if you love it, and like you said, you need you need a hobby besides that, and you you find you find different shit, and you you never know what you might find. Yeah. Eva and I decorated cupcakes a couple of days ago. It was delightful. Yeah,
1: I saw your sister. it was pretty.
0: Yeah. Yeah, again another Snapchat post. Yeah, Eva's gone a couple times and Eva has an incredible artistic instincts. Um <laughs> me not so much with uh with like the 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 spatial and visual arts. It's not really my thing.
1: Yeah, it's... That's a hard
0: talent, man. Yeah. Um, uh, Eva made her own wrapping paper this year and her own um, cards. And what that entailed was, like, taking bits and pieces of various other... Like, she would take magazine clippings and, like, tape them together with, like, fancy fabric tape and or lace tape and, like, just find all different techniques to, like, create these interesting mosaic looking yeah like they looked um like in one sense it was it was a million different colors and patterns so it could look clashing or, or bizarre but it's it was like very eclectic and um just created these really cool like hipster like gift box wrappings it was dope
1: that is pretty dope i always recycle for my wrapping paper too nice but being being a guy i uh I use just newspaper or, like, brown paper that we have around. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. Newspapers.
0: Go. Mm. Well, um, I was, I was, uh, I wanted to ask you about, about travel. Because I've been, I, I just booked some travel and just got done with some holiday travel. And I have some, I had some pretty fucking hilarious airline, airplane stories. Um, we were texting back and forth that we had, We had some potential there. Um, (laughs) I gotta tell you, okay, can I tell you this one story of this one super fat dude that was sitting next to me? So I've, I've in, you know, in my adult life, I've had really good, um, really good luck with traveling. I don't usually sit next to giant people and like, I'm a pretty big person myself. I have giant shoulders, so I have to slump them over to not, um, intrude on others. And, and, um, you know, coach sucks, but I've had really good luck with not sitting next to super fat people. But on this one particular flight, um, this was in the, uh, over Thanksgiving, the dude, I'm in the middle seat and there's a, a giant, like six foot tall dude next to me on the left. Who's probably like over 200 pounds. And then on the right, there's a dude that's like legitimately like six foot five. And he's probably like 60 years old, maybe 55, and so, like, I'm sure in his prime, he he was, like, just a giant person, but now he's now he's got, like, a big belly, and he's just, like, this giant fucking person, and we're in coach, and he's sitting right next to me, um, and what happens is, he and he's doing a good job with his shoulders, he's got to literally put his arms up on the seat in front of him to, to not intrude on others, like, you can tell it sucks for him, um, what happens is he's watching his he's watching his iPad, he starts to doze off. I see him nodding off like a fucking fifty-five-year-old fat ass does. And as he's nodding off his giant fucking chubby legs, his six foot five legs, they start relaxing. And so what 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 had been tense, straightforward leg position starts to become like lagging and gradu ever just little bit at a time pressure 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 pushing up against my leg and fucking me being the the smart ass who does not want to give up any room in the middle seat i'm like all right old man we're playing this game i'm just going to give you pressure right on back and it started a little bit and then a little more and a little more and this dude's like this dude's like asleep now and i'm like his bed <laughs> like he's laying his leg is just leaning on me and so I'm and I'm sitting there for five seconds. I'm like, what do I fucking do about this situation now? So I decide to, like, pull the chair out from under him. I just release all the pressure on my leg. <laughs> and, and this man probably weighs, like, over 250 pounds. So this one leg probably weighs, like, 80 pounds. And so I let the pressure go on my leg. I push my leg in. His leg just poof, sags out. And, like, the immense change of pressure causes leg to swing so much that he wakes up and he, like, jo- you know, does the jolt his head up thing. Like, I'm awake. And um, and then his leg, like, immediately jerks back into, like, the appropriate position. <laughs> so.
1: Uh-huh. Fucking hell. Yeah, la-
0: and then, of course, it happens at least one or two more times.
1: Yeah, you gotta... I would have... I don't know if I would have just... I would have probably just got up, hey, man, I need to get out, and go to the bathroom. But yeah that, that's that's challenging
0: in coach man. This, you're right, it's tight. In there. Oh man, I fucking I was having fun with it because like he was asleep, so like he didn't really know like that I was just being this like douche and just like fucking, but it's like, you know, what else am I going to do? This was a very weird specific situation in my mind.
1: So, um
0: I really uh, yeah, I really didn't fault the man because like he was so he was so much bigger than me and older than me, and he was like trying, I'm like, all right, fine, um now, this other trip to New York, um this was over Christmas, <clears throat> this guy sits next to me, and he was about my age, uh Asian guy, not that it matters to the story um. First, he looks at me. First, he keeps staring at my tablet. I have my Samsung tablet with which I download Netflix. I download YouTube. um, And I have, you know, random videos or whatever on. So I'm entertaining myself. This guy's fucking staring at my shit. Then he asks me. Yeah. Then he asks me. um, Hey, man, how do you get Wi-Fi on your tablet? Because we're on some shitty frontier flight. And I have my headphones
1: on. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: And I think he had said something to me earlier in the flight that was, like, innocuous, but I had my... So this is, like, the second time he's talking to me with my headphones on, and this time it's, like, some... He's asking me how I got Wi-Fi, and I take my headphones off and I go, I don't have Wi-Fi. I downloaded these. And and I was like, you can, put, you can download YouTube videos when you have YouTube Red, And he was like, oh, word, word. And I'm like, okay. So I put my headphones on, he goes back to staring at my fucking screen. Then he Wow. Yeah. Then he like it's this is like 25 minutes into the flight. He fucking pings the um the flight attendant. The flight attendant comes over <laughs> goes He goes, "Can I get can I get some water? Can I get a cup of water?" And she's like, "Yeah, like we'll come around. Like you, by the way, you paid $70 for this flight, Dick. Like <laughs> Yeah, what do you want from so, us?" So like they come around with like the water. He gets his fucking cup of water. Then he's like, "Dude, I'm thirsty." He's like talking to himself slash me about how he's thirsty after he drinks it, and then like somebody a flight attendant walks by and he's like, "Can I get some more water?" Like, I'm like, "What? What flight do you think you're on that you just get fucking gallons of water and Wi Fi?" And it was really, it was really, it was really perplexing me as as an experienced shit frontier flyer. Um and then to fucking cap it off, Jared, he fucking... Again, my headphones are on, and he, like, taps me on the shoulder. I take him off. I'm like, what? And he's like, do you know what time we land? I'm like... Oh. Jared, how many fucking times have you flown? And how... Like, I I, I guess other people aren't like me, but I'll maybe check 4,000 times on the on the way to the airport, at the airport, boarding the plane, like... I'm, i I want to know to the second when I get there. You know.
1: Absolutely. This
0: guy's just getting on a flight, fucking all willy nilly. does it get in? Tomorrow, fucking Wednesday. Ugh. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, it's, it's an overnight flight. Dude, I hated this guy. <laughs> this guy. This guy was grinding yeah. my gears. <laughs> I'll
1: tell you what. I don't think I've ever had a, a, an actual bad person or any sort of bad experience like that in a flight i definitely had the people that are just a little too big for their chair you know they're nudging into you like your story for but no i've never had any like (laughs) or anybody watching over my shit
0: (laughs) (laughs) hated this guy um (laughs) so i was once on a flight actually to las vegas to meet you if you remember that lovely weekend at Circa Circus Circus, oh, yeah. oh my God, what a fucking weekend! Oh, yeah. um, but I get on the flight, dude, and um, this is my first time to Vegas, mind you. So Ooh. yeah, so I get I sit down, and and immediately in the middle seat next to me is this woman who's like in her mid forties with like the orangest tan and the fakest tits, and this little dog in a in her in her carry thing. And I'm like, oh, this is... And, and fake blonde hair. I'm like, this is the, already the most Las Vegas thing ever. And, and and she looks at me and she goes, and she goes, um, don't you hate flying? She was like, I'm, I hate flying so much. And I'm like, what? And she was like, and she was like, I used to f- completely flip out every time I fly. I'm like, what? <laughs> and she was like, and she was like, Don't worry, I took two Xanax. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> like th- this is just getting worse and worse. And then like, and then like, this woman like she either had the wrong seat or like the flight attendant comes over, somebody comes over and like asks for her, and she was like. Oh, hold on. And she starts to get up and she goes, "Here, hold my dog real quick." And I'm like, "What?" And she's like, and she's like, "But just like hide it cuz I'm not supposed to have it on the plane." And I'm like, "No." <laughs> this was like the most fucking Vegas situation I had ever like seen in my life. I was so goddamn pleased. She ended up moving seats. I was so pleased with that. But um so she ended she had to move seats. And then the guy, then this other dude comes and sits down with like a crisp starched button-down blue shirt and his his slacks like he had just come from work. I'm flying from DC. Yeah. And um he's he's like in his mid 40s and I notice when we make our descent into Las Vegas, you see the strip out the window. This dude takes out his fucking wallet and he just starts counting hundreds and he's got a stack. <laughs> He's got a stack of like fucking thirty. <laughs> he's got like thirty plus bills. Yeah, it was. I was like, look at this motherfucking asshole.
1: I'm like, yeah, he's gonna be balling.
0: Yeah, like, god, how many, how many hookers are gonna have to pretend to love you?
1: Oh.
0: Like, what awful things are you doing at work to get that money? But also, dude, I know you like Vegas. Vegas was fun. I had a great time with you. But if I have that kind of money, like, you're never, ever catching me at Vegas. You know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, you, know, you
1: can do Vegas cheap if, you, if you're not gambling. Like, that's, that's yeah, there's so
0: much other shit to do in Vegas. Yeah, but there's so much other shit to do in the world. I think that guy's going to gamble. I hope he went there for a bachelor party or or some other obligation. Because I would never go there voluntarily. Because I'm going to go to fucking Spain and Morocco in October. And, like, I want to go to Kenya after that in a couple years. And I've never even been to Asia or South America. So let me ask you, Jared, where would you go if you could go anywhere?
1: I still want to explore more of the U.S., honestly. Um, I think glacial... Glacier National Park in Montana is, uh, something I want to... There's so much more of the Rocky Mountains that I haven't seen. But, uh, I mean, in terms of world travel, I I would like to go to Asia or somewhere over there, Vietnam maybe. Um, I've, I've never been further east than Germany.
0: Right. Yeah, and, uh, Anthony Bourdain's uh, visit to Vietnam it looked really cool because he said he showed that it was much less developed than Thailand much less um touristy and just really a glimpse into this interesting old way of living um obviously Asia in general is is much different culture than Europe which is where I usually go and have been the past few years so yeah there is uh so much to see in the world my friend
1: Kenya, huh? That'd be fun. I'd like Africa too,
0: but <laughs> yeah. So um, I think South America, you gotta do every continent
1: right before you die. South America would be amazing if you get the food
0: to get through the Amazon. Uh, yeah, that sounds amazing and dangerous, but awesome.
1: Well, you get a guide.
0: Get a guide. Fucking wear high okay. socks.
1: Just go on a boat down. Down the
0: river. Yeah, you better stop. I'm afraid of snakes,
1: bruh. And frogs.
0: Oh. I hate snakes. <laughs> totally, dude. Um, yeah, so I, I completely forget- I forget that like Africa's an option because I'm enamored with, with Southeast Asia, like Thailand and, and Europe is my go to. So I just forget that Africa's an option. Um what happened was a few months ago. Uh I was on I was on Facebook and I was like, fuck man, I'm gonna I'm gonna give El Dad a, a shout. I haven't talked to him in about a year. We talk about once a year, and um you know, we were we were almost best friends, pretty you know, as close as you could be in college for a couple of years. And uh junior and senior year we were pretty, pretty close and I'm sure you remember El as part of the UN delegation as we called them. Yep, absolutely
1: I definitely remember. He's
0: from Kenya? Yeah, yeah, he's from Nairobi, and um, he's back there now. So he went to school at Penn State. He actually went to high school in the UK. That's why he had that cool accent. Um, But went to the US to Penn State, and then I'm pretty sure right afterwards went back to Kenya, or had some job here for a couple years, but um, has been in Kenya for a long time now, um, since college, and he, we were talking and he was like, dude, you gotta come out here, Nairobi's awesome they had some political bullshit go on a few years ago and some terrorism, but that's all behind them and uh, it's like safe for women which is important because I travel with Eva and, um, you know, a lot of African countries are Muslim countries, but Kenya's safe um, and, and so Nairobi's dope with the city, and then he told me like the safari's right there <clears throat> and like, I wanna see a fucking lion, I wanna see a giraffe, are you kidding me, bro? Yeah. So and then he said that he comes to D.C. twice a year for work, which is awesome, um, because uh, the company I work for I sell software and our our office is in D.C. I work remotely, so I told him like just tell me the date you're in D.C. I will come there. So um, now I'm going to end up seeing Eldad at least once a year when he comes to D.C. and then like in a couple years I'll go to Kenya.
1: That's Brad, man. Yeah, he, that'd be cool. I, there were a couple people in that group, uh, of the U.S. crew, but... Who was
0: that, that taller guy's name? Uh, Desmond, who is incredibly dark-skinned, or...
1: Yep. Uh, Desmond, that he, might be it. He's also I from... Think he lived with him.
0: Yeah, he's also from Kenya,
1: yeah. Oh, okay. No, no, there was another another, another like maybe
0: Eastern Asian. Well, there was Shafni. Is it Shafni? The Sri Lanka?
1: Shafni. That's who I'm thinking. Fuck yeah, dude.
0: So yeah, so yeah, Shafni was uh, another very close friend and man, we were like brothers and uh, we would have like hours long conversations about um, life, all kinds of things. He lives back in Sri Lanka. He lives uh, in Colombo, which is the capital, and he he seems to be doing well. I mean, I, I talked to him a couple years ago. I was trying to make my way to India for vacation, but um, I talked to him then, and I think I talked to him about oh. six months ago um, when he had his birthday. So yeah, I mean, I use Facebook to connect with those guys. Like um, Sinhar and yeah. a- Sinhar and Ashu are back in India and Mumbai. Wow.
1: Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's a good way to keep up with those
0: guys. Yeah, but you're right, man. There's so much about this country uh, to explore. And, uh,
1: well, <laughs> you know, one country I don't want right, to explore is the South. Alabama.
0: I don't know if there's anything in Alabama that I would
1: really care to see. Yeah, no, fuck Alabama. <laughs> but, or um... Arkansas
0: or... Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's, like, uh... <clears throat> yeah, is a shit hole. Like, uh, I think it's something... I think Birmingham, like, there's a couple, like, cool towns, like oh, this is a chill, a chill like small city in the south that's like got craft beer now and like has a good music scene and like they're like m- like mini versions of Nashville kind of thing. Um, so like I know the south is like dotted with like cool places, but that's different than the Grand Canyon and Black Hills up in South Dakota or Petrified Forest or Moab. Like holy shit, dude!
1: You know. Oh. <laughs> So much
0: out west. I told so you. Fast, man. Well, I got to thank you for telling me about dispersed camping. I mean, this really changed my life. Um, you remember we would go camping in college, which was pretty much you know humping a case of beer up Mount Nittany or whatever. Um, yeah, sure. And it was shit. Like camping in Pennsylvania is, an, or or the the famous fucking failed tent at at uh, the <laughs> Penn State football weekend. <laughs> It's just oh, like God. you're just, it. it's like it's always raining in Pennsylvania when you're camping. Like it's perpetually raining. It's like dreary. I'm always waking up cold. Um, and there's not much to see. So, but in, you know, and you said you talked about dispersed camping to me last year. And, and so you just go on these forest roads and they have fire pits yeah. already set up that are free. And, um, Eva and I found a good one our, our first weekend going together alone. Um, we found this spectacular one. And ever since then, you know, I found a couple others. And now I'm just obsessed with finding all of them. I like the the, the valley views and the streams and the the cliffs. And, and, um, and then Eva and I drove five hours away and uh, dispersed camped. By the stream and then hiked another three hours to get to these blue lakes. These like crystal clear. You could see 30 feet down. Wow. Yeah, like bright blue lakes. They were fucking awesome, well, dude. Out there when, yeah, when we come out
1: there in June or maybe yeah, late June probably. We're going to have to. When
0: do when you go to Morocco? Uh, we're not going there till October. So we got the whole summer here out in Colorado.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, the best thing about all any national forest, you can go in and find those campsites. So, literally anywhere in America where it you can get. Um, and Actually, what's really cool about um, there's a national forest about an hour's drive from where we live, the Allegheny National Forest. Yep. And so you know, we go out there all the time for trout fishing and just camping, having a good time. But uh, you're allowed to stay at one campsite for 14 days, and then move to the campsite that's like literally adjacent to you and stay for another 14 days. So you can you can live in the natural forest system if you want to, which is incredible to think about. Yeah, you can get hunting permits. You know, get a hunting license and fishing license. You could you could live out there.
0: Yeah, actually, Eva. Um... Eva grew up in Santa Fe, New Mexico, where there's a ton of poverty, and um, a, a lot of diversity. So there's a mixing of different kinds of people, and uh, she said she would have friends who, as as a kid, they would they were homeless during the summer, so they would live in the national park, and as a kid, they were like yeah, all summer was great. We were camping all summer. And like the parents were like, yeah, we saved like a couple thousand dollars. And then when school starts, they like come back to town and like find a place. So yeah, it happens. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and dude, driving on these these forest roads, because like I I seek out these very specific spots um, that I, I research online and have people talk about and I find them and I I I go to them, and so you pass a lot of people on the road camping, and dude, you totally see these fucking freemen on the land, kind of, like, real eccentric types that love living in the middle of nowhere and love living for free, and who knows what the fuck they've done with their life, but... Probably a ton of interesting stories. Um, actually, I've, I camp um, alone uh, a, a few times this past summer, and I'm going to do it again this, this upcoming summer. I love camping alone, and I would often have people that are going on walks. They walk by my campsite, and I just start talking to them. And I've, I've met with a couple people. One guy was a contractor who um, who, who does painting and, and restoration and all different stuff, and he had a couple <laughs> clients up in the mountains. but um, But he just lived out of his truck. And he was like, yeah, and he was, like, perfectly normal-seeming guy and clean and seemed like he had a job, and he was like, yeah, like, this is the best life I've ever lived. I'm like, that's pretty fucking cool, man. You're a weird loner, but that's cool.
1: (laughs) Yeah, dude, that's, it's a a good relief from society. You can get out there and just get lost in the woods and enjoy yourself. It takes you back to the roots. Yeah.
0: Uh, to get to these blue lakes even i went on a particularly grueling three-hour hike like it was it was pretty advanced the 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 hiking trail trails.com whatever it's called the website uh, listed it as intermediate but I've, i w- I um, what's that
1: the, did you guys what, what was was your pace pretty uh pretty steady the whole time or you know like how long did it take you to i mean how i guess how far did travel in the three
0: hours probably like six miles um and we so we took we took frequent breaks um if i was alone it probably would have took me two hours but um i like i take pretty grueling hikes um i believe i've was it was it yumi and fucking harley that took that ridiculous walk up the hill yeah where you guys were just chugging it like maniacs yeah like if we were if if it was at that pace um up up this treacherous hike uh yeah it would have taken us two hours um but but Eve is just a a different a different level of fitness so we um we took plenty of breaks and that's just not how her body works <laughs> so we got up there in three but it was it was fucking no joke dude I've taken I've climbed thirteeners or i I climbed one particular thirteener um that was listed as as advanced or, or hard or whatever the highest rating is on the trail website. And it seemed about comparable to that, that 13 er hike. So it was, it was pretty fucking grueling. Um, wow. and, and there were a lot of, you know, switchbacks, um, with, with cliffs, um, and incredible views and, and, you know, some narrow footing, which is fine for us, but we saw two people taking their horses up the trail, which is quite normal out there. But it was so awesome to see these two giant four-legged horses, like, maneuver around a switchback. Um, like, it was fucking bizarre looking and scary, and they they pulled it off like graceful, wow. awesome things. Yeah, it was really a sight to see. Yeah,
1: I mean, I guess horses may be used to that with the hose. I don't know. That That is pretty wild, though.
0: No, I think they're... Okay, so... So then, even I would continue up, and even I would go through a particularly narrow path with a particularly steep overlook, and right after that was a giant pile of horse shit, and he would go, ha! I think that horse just got, like, really scared. It was like, okay, 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 I'm good. <laughs> like, they sh- they literally were scared yeah. shitless. The shit got scared out of them. Um, I... Yeah, that's
1: that's believable.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, cause like, there's some parts where our adrenaline's going, but um, I-, I think I'm sure it's a ch- it's obviously very challenging for the horse, not only cardiovascularly, but um, balance wise, and also that fear factor. And I think that it's probably super rewarding for them, just like how a dog that likes to fetch or a dog that likes to hunt, or you know, it kind of satisfies mm-hmm. a primal urge. And I think horses, domesticated horses. Probably have a genetic wiring to please their their masters. Um, that usually happens with domestication, like a, a positive feedback loop. So, I'm sure they just love fucking going up there with a with a person on their back and getting to the lake and chilling out. So.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but you you got to think too. They're instinctually just doing doing what they do to stay alive. Just like yep, you know any domesticated animal would but
0: yeah no i i get you and then i see these dogs on on the hike and even i are psyched to get a dog sometime soon but i see these dogs on these hikes with these incredible panoramic views and they're with their owner and like it's the weather's perfect sunny and i'm thinking like this is like the best life a dog can live like this is peak experience for any biological form (laughs) uh this dog is incredibly spoiled. <laughs> so it's, um, it's a, it's a, and cause they're, it's challenging. Like the, the, f, like dogs are very, um, stimulated by like tactile, uh, differentiation, like on their paws. So when they go on hikes, they get super excited about, about that. Um, so there's tons of like stimuli for an
1: animal. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool that all those animals are up there. <laughs>
0: yeah so I uh, even I saw a bear this summer oh
1: did you really that's awesome
0: yeah it was at night it was right when the sun was going down where you obviously see a lot of activity with animals Um, it was on a it was on a national park Um, uh, it's called what is it something gorge black canyon it's called black canyon at Gunnison National Park
1: Um, oh yeah Yep, and I were up there, or down there, I
0: should say. Yeah, it was cool. So we were we were driving around, and we're going around some switchback, and so there's like a, a, a hill slash cliff that we're kind of driving around, and this bear, this round, probably 300, 400-pound bear, um, came kind of barreling, sprinting, essentially, up the hill, and then ran across the road about 30, 40 feet in front of us and then continued running up the hill, Um, next to us and this hill was so steep it was like a cliff and this bear was just like gracefully scaling it like a fucking gymnast it was awesome
1: that is cool i have not seen a bear in the wild and you know i'm I'm, i don't really know if i want to but in that situation that'd be pretty cool
0: it was it was so because yeah we saw it for maybe a second and a half two seconds and it was, it was so cool. We, we've been talking about it ever since, just cause the way we saw the way it moved and, um, humans as we are just animals ourselves. Like when you see something that's so new and you know what it is, it's like, man, that that really makes an impression.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. See, like you said, seeing how they can traverse up a, a mountain so quickly and compare that to yourself and just, you're just so out of your element
0: yeah and the way a bear runs is it I think it kind of like gra it's two front legs go first and then it's it it pulls itself forward and it's two hind legs go in front. So it has this is like really interesting like primate or like tumbling sort of way of of running. So it looks like it's like rolling yeah I don't know, it's really interesting. Um, and then the next night, Eva and I were camping by a stream, and an owl came flying, swooping down again right when the sun went down and perched itself right on top of the the only tree in front of us. Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, it, it went perched itself on the very top branch, and the branch bent a little bit, but this owl stood um, with its wings closed and kind of its chest out perfectly still. It was really weird, like a gargoyle statue almost like flailing in the wind, like the wind would pick up and it would almost t- like twist in the wind. It was really interesting. Perfectly still, even I stared at it for at least 15 minutes and then out of nowhere, it just it, it sprung into action and swooped down onto a lower tree, a branch on another tree, presumably to eat something. And that was fucking awesome too.
1: That's really
0: cool. Yeah, probably
1: even a field mouse or some kind of mouse. Yeah.
0: Kind of rodent. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that was that. Oh, and then so the, the campsite next to us where we were at, this was all this was all the weekend where we saw the Blue Lakes and this was right after we saw the Black Canyon. Um, the campsite next to us was chopping wood, we noticed. And what Eva and I do is we buy wood from fucking Safeway. And
1: yeah,
0: I've, I've started to get in the habit of buying wood from Safeway and only using half of it and then foraging the other half. So I use, I use the, the pre-chopped wood as the base and then I get big branches and sticks and stuff to fill it out and keep it going. Um, but these guys were chopping their own, their own wood. And this one dude was like tall and skinny and had he was our age about 30 or so and had a mustache and was wearing these suspenders and this like old-timey like brown regular brown pants and had this like ridiculous fucking hat on like he was yodeling or scaling a mountain like he he looked like he looked like he was from like the 1880s it was so fucking funny dude i loved it <laughs> because like I'm wearing I'm wearing like my Under Armour fucking uh rain jacket and I'm wearing my my Under Armour pants or I'm wearing shorts and I'm wearing sneakers, you know? <laughs> this guy looks dressed like a prospector.
1: <laughs> yes. It was yeah, so National fucking Forest funny.
0: Yeah. So um oh, so did you get
1: Alexa anything stop. what happened fucking Alexa ah Jesus did
0: you, uh, did you get anything good for Christmas little boy
1: oh uh, yeah um, had a good Christmas um, I got a sweet camera from my girlfriend's husband or my girlfriend's sister's husband excuse me right <laughs> so that was a uh really sweet thing to help me out getting some getting some videos going but yeah it's good Christmas man I spent it down in Myrtle Beach and had some good weather down there a couple days it was a little chilly but it was good
0: I was wondering where you were because um, you mentioned you missed the blast of Pennsylvania so that's very cool Myrtle camera
1: yeah little Myrtle
0: what'd you uh, what'd you get for Aaron
1: Um, uh, I she she works from home, so she does a lot of like yoga stuff during the day um, when she's she's got some downtime. So I had she actually wanted a chair for her desk in her office, and I got her like a yoga ball chair.
0: Nice, that's so awesome.
1: She used uh, that then, and she just like the ball out and used the ball for doing yoga stuff. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Nice. How about I, you? How was your
0: Christmas? You, you have a good Christmas? Yeah, it was good. I was in uh, D.C. for uh, three days seeing friends. And um, then I went up to Maryland to see... My sister lives there and, she, you know, my little nephews. I got three of them. So caught up with family and friends. And then the day after Christmas, went up to New York to see more family. Uh, so it was like a bunch of shit. Um, I was working during the day for, for some of those days and there wasn't much to do that, that Christmas week so it was a nice nice holiday time unfortunately Eva is in New Mexico because um, we she she's already been to New York three times in 2017 and we also had just gotten back from Europe in October so we got back from Europe and we're like shit what do we do about holidays so we're like ah let's just uh, fig- figure it out for next year <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: that's a lot of drop in one year
0: I uh I got her a couple of things for Christmas. One thing I got was uh, a Groupon to the the studio where you make your own cupcakes, you design your own cupcake which I showed you. So we did that together. And then I got us a Groupon for uh dance lessons. So we got some private dance lessons and some group ones as well.
1: And what kind that, of what kind of dance
0: Um, you get to pick, they have a bunch of different ones. I don't know if she wants to do some, like, Spanish-style dance, because we're going to Spain in the fall. Um, I, I really don't care. I'd be totally cool with fucking learning a waltz. I'd be cool with learning the fucking hand jive and the Charleston. Um, you know, I'd be cool with salsa, like, I don't really care. So, whatever she wants.
1: Yeah, whatever's clever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then the third thing I bought for us was Movie Pass, which is the best thing ever.
1: Have you heard? What's What's Movie Pass?
0: So um, the new it's 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 ten dollars a month um, for uh, unlimited movies or one movie a day that you get to go to um, essentially at eighty percent of the theaters around the country. So every United Artists, every AMC theater. Every Alamo Drafthouse theater and a few other participating ones, you get um, a free movie ticket every day, and all you have to pay is ten bucks a month. And as long as that movie's not sold out, you get a free ticket. So it's fucking amazing. Oh, that's
1: cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could. All you have to do is go see two movies. Of, actually, really, only one movie a month. <laughs> you pay for
0: it. Yeah yeah totally like so the regular price movies in Denver are about 11 bucks I know in New York some areas are like 15 to 20 the only thing is you can't you can't go to IMAX or 3D but who gives a fuck because it's 10 bucks a month and uh, yeah we've we've already been to uh, the new Jedi movie we went to Jumanji we went to Pitch Perfect 3 this weekend we're going to more so fuck yeah dude
1: yeah, that's sweet. How was is,
0: was how is Jumanji? Is it pretty good. Yeah, Jumanji was pretty good. I mean, Kevin Hart and The Rock are awesome. So, you
1: can't go wrong with The Rock.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's only tangentially related to the original, you know. So, hmm. it's it's almost a standalone movie, but you're there's enough like nostalgia points that you get in there, but it's just fucking fun. Like it's it's. It's well written because there's plenty of laughs, but it, and and like the the dialogue seems fine, um, and it's not supposed to be uh, an Oscar or Academy Award nominee. So, yeah, I think it's good. Yeah, that's
1: sweet, cool. That's a
0: good gift. Yeah, and then also compared to um, Star Wars: The Last Jedi, it was it was pretty much Citizen Kane compared to that. So
1: yeah I remember you texting or something saying that the, he didn't really care for the star Wars movie.
0: Oh God dude it nothing happened. there was no plot <laughs> The plot was like the movie opens with like um general Leia like the 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 fucking whatever they're called the empire is is firing on us uh okay let's hit warp speed. And then it's like, oh no, they've, they've found a technology to identify us at warp speed. So we're just going to have to keep out, uh, keep out running their, their shit, but we're going to run out of fuel. And that's just the entire movie. And then they end up on a planet and there's more shooting and nothing is resolved at the end. Nothing changes except a bunch of people die. Um, at the end of the movie, like they're still on the run. It's just they're they're further along on the run and more people have died. It was like really like what the fuck did I just watch? Oh
1: well, yeah, shit. <clears throat> they're just pumping out money at this point. Now uh, that Disney owns the whole deal, it's they're just they're publicly traded. They got pumped out, man.
0: Dude, pump it out. It's a guaranteed bill,
1: right? Absolutely.
0: And then what happened was so movie pass. The, what happens is, um, the way it works is I go to a mo- I go to the theater and I check in quote unquote to a movie like the last Jedi. When I check in through my app, then movie pass activates my physical card, which they sent me. And then that physical card is valid for 30 minutes for that movie at that theater. Then the person at the theater swipes my card and movie pass actually pays the theater full price.
1: Wow.
0: Yes, yeah, so movie pass is legit mo- losing money hand over fist. They have a million new subscribers since September. Crazy.
1: That is crazy.
0: <laughs> so they're they're growing like crazy and they're losing money like crazy. Um this the 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 CEO uh, was one of the founders of of Netflix and also was the former CEO of Redbox. But his whole thing is um he thinks that he's going to be able to repackage and resell the data that he collects to marketing firms and Uh. advertising firms and even studios, um, because he thinks he's going to compile more data than anyone else in terms of when people go to the movies, which movies they see. And so he's banking on this as, as like where they'll make money. So it's a really interesting business venture, I think.
1: Yeah, that is interesting. I feel like the, that's a pretty high premium to pay to get data, especially when you can probably <clears throat> you can probably offer a cheaper price to Netflix or Hulu or, you know, what I mean
0: I know it seems very unsustainable.
1: But I I, I guarantee he's also getting some kind of like package deal with if you sell so many tickets, then the full cost of of paying the theater back is is less than just a single ticket price.
0: From what I read, I can't see that. And AMC actually threatened to sue MoviePass when they lowered their prices in September. (laughs) Like, apparently the... (laughs) So, like, MoviePass is still losing money. They're paying theaters full price. There's no cooperation by the theaters. But what's happening is the theaters are actually freak, completely freaked out, which is weird. And these theaters keep putting out statements like, we will in no way allow MoviePass to cut into our concessions or our ticket prices. Like, Because they're so afraid that MoviePass is just going to get too powerful and be like, I have every fucking movie goer in the country. You are going to give me a piece or they're not going to go to your theater. So, who knows?
1: Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. So, um, are you looking forward to any particular movies this this year or upcoming besides The Last Jedi? (laughs)
1: Honestly, no, I don't even watch any uh, of the Star Wars movies. I, I haven't been following them, any of the new ones at least. Um, but no, I, I I can't remember the last time I've been to a movie theater. It's been a couple
0: of years now. Yeah. Yeah, it was the same way until I, uh, until I met Eva, um, for which this is one of her hobbies. So it's been cool, man. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to a few more. There's like, uh, Liam Neeson is doing a movie called Commuter, which is pretty much taken on a train. Oh yeah, I have seen previews for. Years. Yeah. So. There's that, but um. Yeah, I love I love me some Netflix and what I was reading about and hearing about with Disney buying Fox. Have you heard about this?
1: I, I've heard some. I've heard some rumors. I. I you know, follow CNBC. Right. Um, but no, I. Has that
0: hasn't gone through yet? Has it? I'm not sure. But. Maybe they have to figure some shit out, but pretty much... I think I... From what I from what I was reading and hearing, it sounded like it went through, so I'm going to treat this conversation like it, it's going to. Um, what would potentially happen is... If Disney and Fox are the same company, they could offer a streaming service like Netflix, except it would have the entire Disney library, the entire Marvel Universe the entire Pixar universe, the entire star Wars universe, and then all of 20th century Fox films, which is like, like 20% of the major movies that are made every year. Like I, like if you just look at the previews coming out, it's like, Oh, there's another 20th century Fox. And then you get all the Simpsons and then you get all of FX. Um, that's like a lot of shit. And so they're going to, the theory is they're going to pull out of Netflix, offer their own platform and, like, if you fast forward ten years, there's going to be two or three major platforms. There's going to be, you like, you'll buy Netflix, you'll buy um, the Disney-Fox conglomeration, and then maybe you'll buy, like, Amazon Prime. And those three will give you, like, so much entertainment and original as well as shared content that it's like, man, I'm all set. <laughs> yeah, I can see that
1: happening. That would be very smart business um, for Disney.
0: Yeah.
1: I I think it'd be challenging. They might even be another option they should explore is to just license it out to Netflix. I mean, Netflix is a huge conglomerate itself.
0: Yeah. um,
1: But you're right. That platform could be there. You got to think they've got to be creating content then if they're not getting the rights to to movies or or what else. But they've got to constantly
0: be creating
1: content. Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean, they clearly have a budget.
0: Exactly. I mean, I don't think Disney or Fox will ever stop creating content. And then also, rolled into this potentially would be like all... So Fox owns like so many regional sports networks. You know, Fox Sports West, Fox Sports Dallas. Like, they pretty much own like... I don't know 80% of the basketball games out there so if you subscribe to that you get a ton of sports as well like Disney owns ESPN yeah
1: that's true
0: Disney owns ESPN and Fox you know you get you get like the World Series or whatever so interesting
1: welcome to the future of hopefully net neutrality gets repealed not to change subjects but uh the uh, no, I'm sorry, it's already been repealed. I hope it uh, Congress kind of intervenes here and does something about it.
0: Yeah, I think this is very much on topic because I was going to say, like, these services like Netflix is the reason I don't pay for cable, and um, internet service providers like Comcast are losing TV revenue because people like me are no longer paying for it. And so they they want to make up that revenue somehow and now that net neutrality has been repealed, they could totally fucking just fuck us over or get their money from Disney some other way. Um, but, like, some people argue that the repeal of net neutrality could be a good thing for consumers because it, it'll just mean that, that YouTube will have to pay more money and that's bullshit because less regulation fucking never means more better choices and cheaper options for the public. Like, I'm so sick of that argument, especially when it comes to, like, services like this. Um, Like, there's no way that less regulation means that Comcast is going to charge YouTube more money. No, they're both going to fucking turn around and charge us more money, you know? Yeah,
1: I I mean, I don't know if this is really about regulation, though, it's about the change of, Considering the internet a utility like electric or natural gas or any, you know any of your basic utilities, that's that's how internet was categorized. Right. And now that the internet is not categorized as utility; it's categorized as like an imp- information service. It it, it just becomes it becomes really it becomes more. I don't know if it becomes more regular regulated or less regulated, but I would I would think that now there's no way for people to have a guaranteed basic internet service like they would a guaranteed basic electric or natural gas or, you know, propane or whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I watched this 20 minute long John Oliver video about it, which was cool. Um, but he explains that it's like, yeah, reclassifying ISPs from article two back to article one under this old telecommunications act of like 1928 or something. Um, and <laughs> yeah. so m- making it, or it used to be under article two. So like you said, it was regulated like a utility, meaning that the, the prices were reg strongly regulated and service was strongly regulated. You had to give a consistent quality of service at a set price because you had a monopoly. Yep. Um, now, exactly. they're moving it to an Article 1 where it's not regulated, you don't set prices, and you don't set service quality. So, yeah. It's, yeah, that's
1: terrible. Ter- I don't know. It seems like it's terrible. but it I, terrible. I haven't heard one one good argument otherwise. I mean, I see... I, I don't know. I, I guess I really haven't. I, I, it's just... It's mind... We have so many people writing to our the people who rep, are supposedly representing us, and they're completely ignored in every report that has ever been... It, it's just mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. I've, I haven't heard one good... I mean, do you have one good reason why that should be... I mean, you, you say it's good for consumers, but why?
0: So, um, this one Harvard professor had a YouTube video that I watched... And he said that there's the potential for this to lead to a free internet for everybody because potentially internet would would just become an advertising... So just like how YouTube is free, you just have to sit through ads. Maybe those same ads would go towards funding these ISPs like Comcast. And so it would be free internet for us, just like how in the 50s it was free TV for us. But I think that's ridiculous because... I think you'd have to rely on billionaires not coming to an agreement that fucks us over, which has been proven to never happen. Um, And so, yeah, I don't think that's a good argument. Like he was just saying, there's the potential for it. And I, I don't remember some of the specifics, but I didn't really like the feel of it. And yeah, like it's, it's a monopoly obviously. And the reason is because you can run internet over cable line infrastructure and so these telecommunications companies like Comcast and Verizon had a head start over everyone else in terms of infrastructure. So, like, they already have the infrastructure to run the internet, and then they would make incremental upgrades like Fios. Um, it was so much easier. It's so much easier for them to provide internet versus Google. Um, I don't know if you remember, like, Google had big um, fiber optic network sure. pr- promotions. I think Kansas yeah. City. And then there, there might be one in California, but that's kind of died down because Google realized like it costs so much fucking money to lay down fiber optic lines.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, a lot of like there's a lot of governmental boundaries with easements and, yep. and everything like that. Yeah, you know, I think I think with that that said though, I think one possibly good thing that could come out of the repeal of net neutrality is that local governments. Create their own internet essentially and i know in um, i think it's nashville tennessee like it's, it's, it's like an up-and-coming tech hub because of the investment that the city made a decade ago to lay down all this like you said fiber optic cable and so now they offer their own extremely high speed internet within the city of nashville and they're I mean, I think that might be the only good thing that would come out of the repeal is that other cities follow in that suit and offer their residents just a a basic service. Right.
0: Yeah, um, Fort Collins has the same thing. I was reading an article about Fort Collins here in Colorado. Um, Half the town has municipal uh, broadband. And it was like, it was this one dude who was like 25 years old and was getting shafted on his internet and had no other options and just started petitioning and like five or ten years later like now they have their own municipal um, shit and like you said like this if if shit hits the fan I'm moving to fucking Fort Collins because they have internet so and the people own it and Fort Collins is a history of great representative government and and good democratic system so yeah that's that's the way to go um, but I I like let saying that less regulation will encourage people to get their act together and, and organize sounds like we're taking things back to the 1890s where like you had sweatshops and labor unions. Like, yeah, it's a way to, it's a way to get people activated, but I'd much rather, uh, I'm a socialist. So I think that it's ridiculous to not have shared ownership of things like why some people are entitled to own things. And some people aren't just because of how and where you were born is ridiculous to me. So,
1: no, I I get that. I get, I mean, I think, I think there's certain industry and certain scenarios where regulation is necessary. And it's, it's not like there's a, a book that we can all go to and say, well, this one should be regulated and this one shouldn't. I think it's a, a trial and error learning thing, but it, Regulation doesn't necessarily, or the lack thereof, doesn't necessarily create wealth for a few people. I mean, it could... I mean, there are... I'm sure there are examples of of it creating greater benefit for the greater good rather than just a few people.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't have examples.
0: (laughs) I mean, I think that... I think that... Um, when we were, when humans were hunter gatherers, I think there was probably perfect equality. Um, you know, resources were so scarce. You, um, you were only a- able to produce or find enough food for yourself and maybe your family. Um, and, and so, you know, you, we were pretty much living like apes with human brains. Um, and so at that point, I think there was equality. Like, I don't think people hoarded things cause there were no things to hoard, Um, and so some people didn't have more or less resources than others. I think what happened was we settled down into agricultural society and that is where abundance started happening, where you weren't making food and finding food for one person. Uh, you were making and finding food for a hundred people or 50 people. And that allowed the other 49 people to do other things in society. And, um, we would develop, um, originally it wasn't a barter system. It was more of a credit system kind of like what we have today before money, there was just a system of credit um, where you knew that the farmer was good for the wheat. Um, even though it, it's not here yet. Um, I'll give him, I'm the cobbler and I'll give the farmer shoes essentially for free right now. Cause I know when the harvest comes, he'll give me ton, tons of wheat in return and we know each other um, and he's not going anywhere. So that's how things used to work before money. But somewhere early on in agriculture, like Certain people, um, through basic human nature, tried to accumulate more resources for themselves and, you know, it's always been a very brutal world where people would murder each other and rape each other and do really whatever it takes to survive and pass on their genes. Like, we see that in human nature, seemingly. So, pretty early on in agriculture, like, some people started hoarding stuff and I literally think nowadays that leads to somebody being born in a, in a wealthy family where they get a college education or they're born white. Um, and so they get certain weird privileges, random privileges, or they end up becoming BP executives or Comcast executives. Like I think that the system currently is descendants of like, there was an original sort of situation where things got fucked up. And that's why I think you need regulation. You need people to come together in a room and be like, you you need to have empathy. You need to look at somebody else and be like, I could be you. So I'm not going to steal your food in your house, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah,
1: that makes sense, man. I hear you.
0: So I'm an optimist. I believe that we could all just share things and everybody can do like what they're meant to do. And I don't know. I like to have an idealistic view of the future. Because I don't think it's worth living in a world where, like, you can't see constructive improvements happening. I think that's, like, depressing. And I think it's also not good for society to not think about how it can be better. Um, And then also in college, I took a political philosophy class where one of, like, the assignments, it was like a a brain sort of exercise to think about what the ideal society would be like. And so I went down the rabbit hole and started thinking about it. But anyway, I like thinking about how things could be ideally.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you got to think everybody in one way or another, whether small or or big, whether micro or macro, will uh, have those same ideas.
0: Yeah. Um, I've actually been talking a little bit about like investing and stocks and shareholders. And you and I mentioned that earlier on a text. Eva, Eva is really into ethical investing and finding um, ways to invest her, her 401k dollars into ethical companies. And she found that like these um, ethical investments, like consistently outperform um, like S and P and, and a lot of other portfolios. So it's actually a good investment to make these kinds of, um, socially conscious, I guess you would call it investments, but anyway, that's something I think people should think more about.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think, uh, talking about stocks and shareholders, it kind of relates back to the regulation thing. One thing I wanted to say about it was that we, we we're in, we're in this time where the stock market is. Is soaring, and there are a lot of different reasons, obviously, for why that can happen. But I think in terms of shareholder value, a lot can be gained from laying off people in a company. A lot can be gained from reducing workforce in in other ways. Hmm. Um, So, you know, that that, that goes back to just empathy, kind of your empathy thought. Um, people, People, the shareholders and the stockholders are are performing really well right now, but we're not really paying attention to the individual who lost their job, pause the stock to increase. But obviously there's many different reasons why a stock could increase or decrease, but, um, you know, micro and macro are both layers in that. So.
0: Yeah. That, that makes me think of like automation, um, could definitely make, it could improve a company's financial profile and, and make their stock value go up and you know automation would would also potentially lead to a reduction in their workforce and it it makes me think about if the entire workforce was automated or all of our labor was automated um or as more and more of it gets automated it's i think we need to look at um you know a basic living wage and we should just be like I think we could also have a society where we, we become so productive that we just get free money. Like everybody just gets provided free money and people think this is ridiculous. But to that, I say every single innovator in the history of the world that I've seen, um, has come from, uh, some sort of privileged class, meaning at a time where 90% of the world was illiterate, Andrew Carnegie got to learn three languages. So he may have been finance. he grew up on a farm, but he had knew three languages and worked in his uncle's factory. Like that's a level of privilege that allowed him to, to be a, an incredible innovator. And like Elon Musk, the same thing, but pretty much they grew up in an environment where like food, shelter, um, like a family that, that supports them and all the basic, clothing, you know, the basic needs were met. Um, and so it was a level of like, I think like luxury and almost like aristocracy, but pretty much until the age of 18, these innovators were given things and like, they were part of the aristocracy. And it seems like throughout history, it's like people with means and with money are the ones who come up with great ideas. And the reason they come up with great ideas is because they were nurtured and because they grew up in an environment where they have time to think and work on creative innovative things and do what they want so they find you know what to do whether it's engineering or politics or whatever and so with a basic living wage you would pretty much make more and more people part of the aristocracy and um if we make education more free you just make services more accessible to people so you create more Elon Musks essentially in the future.
1: Yeah, and unfortunately I think that's going to happen in European countries well before it ever happens in America. Um, <clears throat> that, I mean, that that thought is so radical in America because everyone has the, the, the idea that you need to work for a living and you need to provide for your family and you know, almost the keeping up with the Jones mentality, you gotta, your neighbor's buying a new car, you gotta buy a new car. It's, Uh there's, it's it's difficult in America to to try to get that idea, um, to get, to get recognized and, and popularized by the, by the majority. That's, that's, that's a hard one. But, Mm -hmm. but I don't disagree with you. I think, I think it's gonna work, and in the future. I think it's going to be a necessity in the future. Like you said, with automation and, and the, and robots. I mean, face it, man.
0: <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, dude. I, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's a lot to think about. Might be, uh, might be a good place to, to call a hiatus to this little little pod ditty,
1: yeah I think so I'm, I'm getting pretty low on the battery and, and thoughts right now I need to go eat some food it's been a long day I had a busy day at work and you know gotta get gotta get some cuts in the wood
0: I hear you oh yeah what uh what are you eating for dinner what's the plan
1: we are having fajitas Nice. Ench- sorry, enchiladas.
0: <clears throat> awesome.
1: Enchiladas. Yeah. Aaron's been slow cooking some rice beans all day and we're gonna we're gonna go out of here soon, so cool. Uh what do you got what do you got planned? You're you're still on the mountain top or the west. are you mountain time or west coast?
0: Time? Yeah, we're mountain, so it's uh five 34 mountain time right now. so Eva gets home in about 10 minutes. I'm gonna uh, whip up some tofu and broccolini and bell pepper and squash in uh, it's gonna be lightly coated in this Moroccan seasoning that our friend got for us when she went to Morocco. Um, Eva and I are combining two of our interests in cuisine. So Eva likes to eat little to no meat. And so I'm trying to get more in that direction because it's incredibly environmentally friendly and I really think it, it's empathetic and I I want to find ways to to um, eat less meat. So I've been doing that, which, which coincides with her dietary preferences, but then also my dietary preferences are less carbs and less sugar. Um, so that's why we led to the vegetables and tofu and Moroccan seasoning for this evening. But we got a nice plan where... We kinda of do every we have a uh, a nightly uh menu. So from Monday through Thursday I post the menu for every night. We have like a salad night, we do like a Thai or Asian night, we do like uh like a Moroccan, uh Mediterranean kind of night. And I'll do like a Brussels sprouts and mushrooms and bacon night. So that's how we do
1: it. Wow, that's
0: great. You're a great boyfriend. Eh, um, it works out. She uh, she's a great girlfriend. So she comes home, and I put I put the the meal on the table. That boy. <laughs> That's right, sir. Well, all right, man. Will you go have a good <laughs> dinner? That was some good pod. And uh, let's do it again sometime soon.
1: Yeah, great talking with you, dude.
0: <clears throat> all right, buddy boy. I'll see you later. Bye bye.
1: dude. All right.
0: Well, I just hung up on Jared, and um, that was a fun little ditty of a pod, and I guess we'll uh, leave it with that, bring back some of this cane. So I'm AJ, and uh, that was the Unnecessary Podcast, and that's all we're going to do for this time. Namaste.